Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. I think one thing that Seahawks fans and those of us that cover the Seahawks for a living should remind ourselves of as as we kind of lick our wounds after the uh, elimination of the Seahawks in the wild card round is that it could always be worse. And what I mean by that is just look at what's going on in Houston between their franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who by all accounts is one of the good dudes in the NFL and, and somebody that uh, is is an incredible quarterback, uh, has all the talent in the world, and yet that organization is just doing whatever it takes to alienate him, and it, he is responding by saying, you know what, if you don't want me or if you don't want me involved in, in anything going on here, then, then trade me. Uh, so it could always be worse, and you always want to avoid situations like that. But Houston right now, Taylor, I mean, I don't envy. First off, and we're going to get to it in the big three here. I was just going to say, another, list them off. Yeah, there was another big move made in Houston this week. Uh, you've got Deshaun Watson wanting to get out. J.J. Watt wants out. The Astros are falling apart. Uh, George Springer probably won't return there. I mean, I you, you love to see it? Just from yeah, somebody, like, from an outsider perspective, you love to see it. It's like, man, you, you sort of reap what you sow there. You bang on a trash can, you're going to be... You know, beating it like Doug. You know, you're going to be on the street. You're going to be out of it. So, um, yeah, I don't envy. He, other than they, they probably got some nice weather right now. Maybe I don't know. They, but yeah. that's probably the only thing I'm envying Houston over this current moment is weather. Yeah, maybe the barbecue scene is, is good down there. I don't know. I've never been to Houston, so well, we I got some good know. spots up here too. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, but we've got a lot of good coming your way here in this next hour of Seattle Sports Saturday. So let's get it started with this hour's big three. Number one. Well, Curtis, you teased it there. The big trade affecting Houston. But LeBron James throws up a no-look three-pointer and the NBA loses their collective minds. One of the biggest trades in recent history goes down. A four-team deal involving the Nets, Rockets, Pacers, and Cavs sending all sorts of stars which way, picks, all heading to Houston, pretty much ending up with James Harden on the Nets. Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, they're going to Houston, as well as three unprotected first-round draft picks from the Nets. You've got the Pacers getting Levert. And then you got the Cavs getting Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So some big names moving around, a lot of picks moving around. And boy, oh boy, the East just becomes that much more confusing. Three teams at the top, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, all vying for that top spot. Brooklyn currently in the fifth spot before they get James Harden on the court this week. And then you have uh, Orlando, Cleveland, and Charlotte rounding out the Eastern Conference standings. But... Some not-so-great news in the NBA. COVID appearing to start to run through some of these teams. And Carl Anthony Towns testing positive. We all know his family was ravaged, unfortunately, by some COVID deaths this past year and losing a lot of family members to that terrible virus. So we're sending our best to all the players currently affected by COVID. Number two. 
The NFL's coaching carousel, it's been fired up. We're already halfway done filling the six vacancies, or seven vacancies, however many there were. The most notable, Urban Meyer taking over for Jacksonville after retiring, in air quotes, again from college football in 2018 and spending the last two seasons with Fox Sports. Meyer got the itch to coach again, and who could blame him just looking at what Jacksonville has in store for him. Over $100 million in projected cap space and the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft, which will most likely be Trevor Lawrence, kind of based off of a lot of projections from many draft analysts. Former defensive coordinator for the 49ers, Robert Sala. He takes over for the Jets as he'll become a first-time head coach. Sala has not given any hint as to how he'll sort out the quarterback situation in New York. They hold the number two pick. Many people think that if they do move on from Sam Darnold, Ohio State's Justin Fields or BYU's Zach Wilson could potentially be that number two pick. Most recent hire made on Friday with Atlanta going after Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. He'll be their next head guy. The Texans, Chargers, Eagles, and Lions remain the only teams with coaching vacancies. Number three. Well, pardon me. It was over before halftime, maybe even over before kickoff in the national championship between Alabama and Ohio State that once again saw the old Crimson Tide roll on to another national championship. Monday marked the seventh national title for Nick Saban. Heisman winner Devonta Smith only played two quarters, had a little bit of a hand injury, but had a record-breaking performance, 215 receiving yards, three TDs. Again, sat out that second half with the dislocated finger, but wasn't uh, wasn't anything that Ohio State could do to come back from this one. Uh, Alabama quarterback Mac Jones Declaring for the draft along with Jalen Waddell and Patrick Sertan, all declaring for the 2021 NFL draft. And Mac Jones will be a confusing sort of prospect this year. Good success in college. Does he have what it takes to be a quarterback at the next level? Will hype sort of help him get drafted early? Because we know it's going to be difficult to scout some of these players going forward. So Alabama, 13-0 beating Ohio State 52-24 in that championship game. But also shout out G. Scott Jr. getting on the field in that national Uh, championship game. Local product, so baby G, shout out to you. Getting to play in a national championship. Win or lose, there's a small group of people who get to say that. So uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff there. Yeah, he's the only person I've ever uh, had to give a ride to that's played in a national championship. Oh, game, yeah. So. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think I've uh, done anything like that, so. No, I know. Yeah. But that was back when he was just a just a little guy. So, shout out to him. Shout out to him for uh, repping Seattle at, to the fullest. And yeah, you mentioned Mac Jones there. This quarterback class is going to be a deep one. Uh, obviously with Lawrence and Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Uh, you, you might throw Mac Jones into the back end of the first round there. I think at, at maybe the the very best we could see him uh, doing that. But a lot of quarterbacks up for grabs here in the 2021 draft, which is going to make teams like Miami who have, you know, is Tua our guy? Do we want to go in? All in with Tua. They've got the number three overall pick. What if Justin Fields gets you know passed over by the Jets? 
Who do you who do you take there? Maybe Miami trades for Deshaun Watson, which would leave Houston with a quarterback vacancy. The quarterback carousel this offseason is going to be a fun one to watch. I'm super excited for it. Let's take a look at some honorable mentions. Uh, just moments ago, Cooper Cup, wide receiver for the Rams, he has been ruled out for today's game with a knee injury, so the Rams will not have him or John Wolford. Uh, that game kicks off at 135 this afternoon. Yeah, David Edwards hurt as well, the left guard. We saw him uh, get injured in that Seahawks game as well. But Aaron Donald is active. He will play with protective padding on his ribs as he most likely broke or, or fractured a rib last week in that game against the Seahawks. But if that guy is going through any sort of pain and can still play, you can only imagine what us normal human beings would experience in that situation. So. <laughs> Oh man, I I'd be dead. I'd or at least in the hospital. We'd all be dead. We'd be dead. Yeah. We'd all be dead. Coughing there's no blood. there's no way to beat around it. <laughs> uh the biggest free agency move in Major League Baseball this week, uh that'd be second baseman DJ LeMahieu returning to the Yankees on a 6-year deal worth 90 million dollars. About the NHL dropping the puck this week, their season has begun in a new divisional format just for the 2020 season. Maybe they bring it into next season as well. Four divisions, one division made up entirely of Canadian teams because of the border restrictions right now between Canada and the United States. So a little bit of an interesting wrinkle thrown into this 2020 NHL season. Uh, we're just, what, eight months away, nine months away from, from the Kraken season starting next year. So that is going to be super exciting. Uh, one last go around in the NHL before Seattle is playing. Uh, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski, he will return to the sideline this weekend after missing the wild card round. Uh, he missed it after testing positive for COVID, but he's back as well as Browns guard Joel Batonio. Uh, so plenty of intrigue in that Browns game as they start to get back to full strength, but they are still double-digit underdogs to Kansas City. Uh, we're going to take a, a much bigger look here at the divisional round coming up in this hour as we're a little over an hour away from games starting uh, here on this divisional round weekend. So when we return, we'll run through some of the biggest headlines in the NFL right now, including that Deshaun Watson saga going on in Houston. That's next year on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports Saturday. You hear that music, it can only mean one thing. It is time for some NFL headlines, divisional round. But let's get started with a team that has long since been eliminated. That'd be the Houston Texans, who, if it weren't for their ridiculous front office may have their first round pick this year, but instead that goes to Miami. And now the relationship between them and Deshaun Watson probably is, I think it's reaching the point of unsalvageable because yesterday you had Watson tweeting something along the lines of like, I was at a level two. Now I'm at a level 10. And I think a lot of people uh, draw the conclude or drew the conclusion that uh, he was referencing his anger level with the Texans front office in that tweet. You've heard from Andre Johnson and Arian Foster, two longtime Texans greats, also say that, yeah, this front office is, is a joke. Taylor, 
do you think Watson ever plays it down again for the Texans? No, I honestly don't. And I, I think he is in the right to not play another down for them. This is all, this is borderline Jerry Krause-esque. You know what I mean? That just <laughs> the division that is being put on this team due to upper management is remarkable. And to have a player like Deshaun Watson with so much promise and so much ability and to be running him out of the organization like this. I, I, I can't think of anything similar to where you're you're scratching your head about what is truly going on here. Yeah, Watson is a rare breed of quarterback where if you surround him with the talent, and they had done so with DeAndre Hopkins, and then they traded him away, imagine going from having DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson and then two seasons later, having neither one of them, you've got two of the brightest young stars in the league together, and you did nothing with that. I mean, you've got to be having your feet held to the fire if you're anybody in the Texans organization. And it, it it's pretty clear that Cal McNair, their team owner, has has favored his relationship with GM Jack Easterby or, or team president Jack Easterby, I should say, over anybody else's in the organization. They have uh, not taken into account Watson's requests. I know he wanted to interview Eric Bieniemy. The Texans passed on that. And then finally, a couple days ago, they're like, fine, we'll do that. But you have to wait until after the Super Bowl now in order, or, or after the Chiefs are eliminated, whichever comes first. It is just an absolute disaster in Houston and to squander a, a someone as talented as Deshaun Watson away like this, uh, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. I, I is now looking at what the Texans might do here. I posed this question with Jake and Stacy earlier in the week, and I want to hear what, what your answer might be here, Taylor. If you're Jacksonville, would you give up the chance to draft Trevor Lawrence in a trade for Deshaun Watson? Wow, that's a good question. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Um, no, I don't think so. I think Watson has proven it. I, I think he, kn- you know, what he's a known commodity, and he's been injured before. Not going to say he's flawless, but to me, you know what you got with Watson, and we still don't know what we have with Trevor Lawrence. And you know, it's not necessarily fair to hold. Clemson's success all on him but it appeared as though he started off hot his freshman year and took a step down each year as as far as his success so but again I can't necessarily hold that all against Trevor and and what he accomplished he was great on the field should have won a Heisman but to me you take Watson you you know what, what you got with Watson and the draft yeah it's appealing those those number one picks and it feels like that video game scenario where you're always trying to get those high draft picks, but I just I couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. It's tough. I mean, I, Deshaun Watson is is definitely within the top ten quarterbacks in the league. If he were a top five quarterback, I think I would have no problem moving the number one pick for him. But 
there's still a little there's another level I think he can get to before we put him in that elite of elite quarterbacks. And Trevor Lawrence, the you just I mean, you don't know what his ceiling can be, and that's the most tantalizing thing about him. I think mm-hmm. I would be more comfortable with Lawrence at the number one pick than trading it for Deshaun Watson. Um, but looking at some of the teams that might be interested in him, Taylor, which one do you think would be the best fit? I, I think I, I listen Miami, Chicago, San Francisco. Maybe there's another team out there. Which one do you think would be the best fit? And I, just speaking as somebody that covers the Seahawks, I do not want the 49ers going out and getting him. Yeah, no, that is the best fit. Right, and that's where he would reach his ceiling. He, you know, Shanahan and McDaniel, if he's still there, I think would be able to maximize Deshaun Watson and what they would get. So please, please not in this division. I don't want to see Watson twice and Kyler twice and Jared Goff twice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Miami has a real good shot to get him. I think they can make a package that's appealing to Houston. You put Tua in there, things really start to, to get in, intriguing because, again, you saw some of what Tua can do. But, you know, if you're building around him a little bit more like Houston would be, could they maximize him even more? So Miami, I think, has the most capital to go get him. But San Francisco's the scariest fit for me. I would love to hear Houston Sports Talk Radio if Deshaun Watson was traded to the Dolphins for the number three pick, a pick that Houston once owned. You have to give up your (laughs) franchise quarterback to get back a possession that was once yours. Oh, Oh, That would be the perfect, perfect thing to to listen to. Also, they they deserve that. They deserve that, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Let's move on here. the situation between the Eagles and Doug Peterson, that came to a head this week as Doug Peterson was let go. Fox's Troy Aikman here in cut number six uh, was talking on Michael Irvin's podcast about why he thinks Peterson was let go, and he said it's probably because he was favoring Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz. You know, Mike, I uh, I reached out to, to Doug Peterson yesterday when I heard the news. What I gathered, and I, I don't know, I, I don't have any insight, but what I gathered it came down to was a difference of opinion as to how they were moving forward at the quarterback position is what I sensed. I sensed that, you know, here Jeff Lurie, the owner, has paid a lot of money to Carson Wentz, and they're on the hook with him. They can't get out of that contract, you know, right away. And yet, it's my belief that Doug Peterson felt that Jalen Hurts was probably the quarterback going forward. And, and how, how does that mess? I got to be honest. Looking at the, the tail of the tape between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz, there was no competition as to who the better quarterback was in 2020. It was Jalen Hurts. And, I mean, Carson Wentz was a disaster this season. And I get why the Eagles would still want him out there because of the investment that they have made in him. But Jalen Hurts gave the Eagles the best chance of winning each and every time. Yeah, and I mean, just look at the reaction when they benched Jalen Hurts at the end of the season <laughs> and, and what that looked like, right? So, and also one thing I'd like to point out, Troy Aikman, no insight? Weird. You never hear that too often, but... Um, <laughs> 
as as far as that situation in Philly, it's just such a head scratcher because Jalen Hurts gave them the best chance. I know, like you said, they put that money in, in Wentz, but at some point you got to make a business decision to move on, and it's going to cost you money either way. It's either going to cost you money and you're going to lose, or it's going to cost you money and you may win. So they should have taken the the latter and tried to play Hurts earlier, in my opinion, but. It'll, it'll all be revisionist history now because uh, Peterson no longer there. It's true. Uh, and then finally, Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable looks like he is emerging as the favorite for the Chargers head coaching job. Now that that could be an intriguing fit because you look at what he's done with Josh Allen in Buffalo. He has turned Josh Allen into, uh, I would say, probably a top six or seven quarterback in the league. Allen coming into the league had accuracy concerns. Those are no more with Allen completing close to about 70% of his passes. L.A. has a really good young quarterback right now in Justin Herbert who set the rookie record for touchdown passes already with 30. I mean, there are plenty of pieces in L.A. for the Chargers to be good. They just got to have the right guy there uh, pushing all the buttons. I think Brian Dable could be that guy. He could, but also, is it worth hanging out for Eric Bieniemy and maybe getting Eric Bieniemy's hands on a Justin Herbert and to see what he can do with Austin Eckler and some of the receivers they have down there in L.A.? So to me, this is a good fit, but maybe it's it might be settling. Could they get the big the big Kahuna and Bieniemy? It's something I'd be thinking about if I was in the Chargers front office. Yeah, it's still still baffling why Eric Bieniemy has been passed over so much. And I, I think a part of that is teams not wanting to wait around until after the Chiefs season is done. But also, I mean, the, the guys put up tremendous numbers with the Chiefs there. And obviously Andy Reid has a big play and what big say in what plays get called there. But uh, to me, it, it just feels like we're wasting our time here continuing to pass over Eric Bieniemy for for head coaching jobs you, you know hopefully he gets an opportunity someday in, in the near future for a head coaching job and I mean you, you got guys like Josh McDaniels getting interviews here with the Eagles he's getting one today I don't know what, what, what that Dude, can mean stop the retreads yeah. <laughs> exactly Exactly. Coming up, we need your shout-outs to the Busy Heart Seltzer text line 710-710. That's coming up at 1245. But before we do that, what should the Seahawks and Seahawks fans be watching for this weekend? We'll also get you some divisional round predictions as well. This is Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your shout outs to the Busy Heart Seltzer text line 710-710. Get those in because that's how we wrap up every Seattle Sports Saturday here at about 1245. That's coming your way in about 10 minutes or so. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers with you until 1 o'clock here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you for making us a part of your Saturday here. Saturday uh, late morning, early afternoon, getting that lunch in the tum. Always good. I'm I'm looking forward to grabbing a bite here after the show. I'm I'm so hungry right now. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about Hot Pockets off air, and and that just sent me over the edge. I know, but yeah, if, if you've got Hot Pockets, uh, you might want to put them down because there's a recall going on. 
Just right. word of advice. Word of advice. Be safe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, divisional round, that gets started in about an hour from now. Fox has uh, Packers and Rams from Lambeau Field. And Taylor, obviously, here in Seattle, there's going to be a lot of eyes on that game, especially because of the direct competition, the Rams, the team that eliminated the Seahawks a week ago, and the Packers, a team that uh, a lot of uh, Seahawks fans kind of looked at and was like, you know, how do we compare to these guys? Because the road to the Super Bowl, obviously, is going to go through Green Bay. Well, Seahawks don't get that opportunity. But when you look at this Rams-Packers matchup, what are what do you think Seahawks fans should be looking for in this one? I think they should be looking at the Packers' offensive scheme, and they should be looking about how they go about setting up Aaron Rodgers to be successful and what role Aaron Jones plays in that and the run game for the Packers. And even on the other side a little bit, what the run game does for uh, Jared Goff. And what he'll be able to do if they lean on Cam Akers again, if he's able to produce like he was against Seattle. You know, what what will this L.A. team's run game look like and what will they be able to do for Jared Goff? Now, it's going to look a little different. No Cooper Cup. He is such a safety blanket. He takes so many of those short, intermediate, over the center, over the middle, pardon me, passes. Those are those are things quarterbacks can rely on. And to not have Cooper Cup, I think, will impact the run game. Um, this evening or this afternoon, rather, against the Packers. So, Seahawks fans, keep an eye on the Packers and watch. You know, how are they setting up the pass? What type of run plays are they running? What does it look like? What does it feel like to to watch an offense rolling like that? Remember some of those things because that's again, you're you're chasing some of those feelings and some of those ideals here in Seattle. I think, yeah, with this Packers team. If they have their way with the Rams' defense, the conversations that will be had about the Seahawks' performance against this very same Rams' defense, I think then you start to get a lot more concerned about what actually is going on with the Seahawks' offense because Seattle was was stifled all throughout last Saturday. And if Green Bay, a team that honestly – you look at the tail of the tape with their weapons compared to Seattle's weapons, especially in the wide receiver group. I mean, Devontae Adams, I would say, is the best receiver yeah. of those two teams, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are better than any other person on that Packers offense that Aaron Rodgers is throwing to. And, you know, they don't have really a, a, a huge number two option. Robert Tunyon. You know he's a he's a good tight end. He he'll find the end zone for you, but Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard, these are not big names. Uh, what is it, Equinemius St. Brown? These are guys who just don't match up to where Metcalf and Lockett are, and and, and Chris Carson, and the rest of the weapons that Seattle has on the offensive side of the ball. And yet they have been very effective in moving the ball this season. Is it due in large part to what Matt LaFleur has been able to draw up on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, in my opinion, 100%. That's the reason why. And you just look, they can get Devontae Adams into space. And and that's, again, something for Seahawks fans to watch is how they take that star receiver with Jalen Ramsey, who most likely will be tailing him the entire game, and how they're going to be able to scheme him into open positions, into zones where he can exploit some gaps. 
you, you got to look for some of those little things. And that's a lot of, to do with the coaching and the play calling. And that goes up to LaFleur, right? And that is where it starts and where it's uh, the genesis of it. It begins. So for Seahawks fans, look at how the Packers are doing that. Don't be too down if the Packers destroy this Rams team. It may happen, and I, I will try as as my best to not be down as well, but it feels like this Packers team might really take it to the Rams. How about in that, that late afternoon game, Ravens-Bills tonight? This is a Bills team that really kind of had their way with the Seahawks earlier in the season, and I think heading into that game, I don't know if there was a lot of respect that people had for the Bills because I think at the time they were 6-2. and two, But since that game, the Bills just absolutely strapped themselves to a rocket. And they have been, I think, almost equal to the Chiefs in terms of an opponent you do not want to face at, at any point this season. And the Bills, uh, I mean, last week they played a really close game against the Colts. But it's the playoffs. Close games are expected this time of year. This Bills team, to me, is is they've been a lot of fun to watch this season. And now they're getting this opportunity on a huge stage against this Ravens ball club. I think this is going to be – I think this game is going to be the game of the day. Yeah, I agree. And maybe even the game of the weekend – um, when it's all said and done, because if the Bills can find a way to really contain Lamar Jackson and not let him get out into space and use his legs to create, I think the Bills are in for a, a big, successful day because of what you said, Curtis. Offensively, they're rolling, and they just feel like a, a well-oiled machine. Everyone knows what their roles are. Like Cole Beasley just feels like that the uh, prototypical playoff receiver who just gets it done doesn't put it up anything too flashy but you have Diggs, the home run hitter who can always help the bills if they need it and to me the ravens it always they're in a weird spot they need something like a little extra that lamar jackson is so good but he maybe just needs some coaching on how to how to be a better uh passer in the pocket or something because it just feels like this ravens team is coming up a little bit short every single time. Well, and if Buffalo is able to stop Baltimore's run game, or at least, you know, hold it to a manageable spot, I think that is going to be, you know, incredible for the bills chances of winning here today. Uh, because, because Baltimore relies so heavily on their ground game. We saw it uh, against Tennessee last week. Uh, you had Lamar Jackson, just absolutely running all over that Titans defense. Uh, so maybe Buffalo this week keys in on that run game. You know, J.K. Dobbins, uh, all, all those guys, Gus Edwards. You know, if you can slow it down to a manageable pace, it's it is going to work out well for you against Baltimore. But Baltimore, they have been a very hot team as well, uh, winning you know their last few games to get into the playoffs in the final week of the regular season. The Sunday slate. Let's go with the NFC to start it off here. You got the Bucks and the Saints, two teams that I think the Seahawks fans, the Seahawks fan base kind of looks at these two teams as like, oh, we could we could have challenged these two teams. What do they have that uh, you know, 
makes them dangerous this time of year, well, it's the veteran experience at quarterback. You don't get two more experienced guys than Tom Tom Brady and Drew Brees. But beyond those two guys, what do you think has separated the Bucks and the Saints here in 2020 from the rest of the NFC? I, I think it's just talent. I think they put enough talent on that roster with some great coaching and some veteran leadership to really go out there and, and make it happen. And they surrounded their quarterbacks with the right pieces that you know, in, in New Orleans they have the the Alvin Kamara and Thomas sort of, not connection, but the, the duo, the tandem. You know, in Tampa Bay, they have all the receivers in the world. I, I, they've called me even to try and come up and suit up for the, a couple <laughs> of games. That's how many receivers they go through there in Tampa Bay. But t- t- it is a perfect example of building around that veteran quarterback leadership. And to be honest, it's going to be like this for the next foreseeable future. Russell Wilson's going to age into this group, and it's going to be a similar type of story for the Seahawks, if he's still on the Seahawks at that time, and what the roster looks like and what they try and do to win, which is just get the players on the roster around this veteran leader and and make a run for it. And uh, to me, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Curtis. I told you this off air. I like the Bucks for some reason. There's something about this Bucks team, and even against the Packers, I feel like Tampa Bay might be the team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I don't think any of us should be shocked by the fact that Tom Brady leads a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Tampa Bay, very boomer bust this season. We have seen them look incredible offensively at times. And then there have been other games like the Saints-Bucks Sunday night game earlier this season where New Orleans just completely dominated that one from the outset. Obviously, I think tomorrow is going to be much closer between those two teams. And Chiefs and Browns, uh, I mean, Cleveland gets a lot of guys back. They get their head coach back, Kevin Stefanski, Joel Batonio, the offensive lineman. But they're going into Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs have been a buzzsaw for you know about th- three seasons now. Patrick Mahomes is just on such another level than everybody else. I have a hard time picking Cleveland in that one. Yeah, and I like the Browns. Look, I told you I thought the Browns would make the playoffs and and maybe even surprise some people in the playoffs. I didn't think they would be able to beat the Steelers like that, but the the Chiefs are 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 for Seahawks fans, that's what you're watching. Watch Kansas City cuz you're you're not too far away from that. And if you think about a couple of years ago where Kansas City was and where the Seahawks are right now, those teams aren't too different. So don't be upset with Kansas City's success. In fact, be encouraged because that's where the Seahawks are are hovering around that range right there. Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are special quarterback talents. So, but it's just too much for the Browns. I think they spent a lot of their emotional bandwidth on beating that Steelers team and taking vengeance in that game. So I think it's going to be a big ask to have them do it again against a almost flawless Kansas City team, and I just don't see anyone in the AFC, even the Bills, being able to slow down Kansas City this year. That is our divisional round preview. When we return here on Seattle Sports Saturday, it is time for your shout-outs for our shout-outs. Text yours in to the Busy Heart Seltzer text line, 710-710. Who are you shouting out this week? Who are you giving love to? We talk that next year on Seattle Sports Saturday. 
Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. It's been a fun one here on Seattle Sports Saturday, all things considered, with the Seahawks being eliminated. But if you miss any of it, make sure you're downloading the podcast at 710sports.com. It is time for shout-outs here. The Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, it is yours to use, 710-710. Make sure you're texting in your shout-outs. Uh, really cool one from the 206. They say shout-out to Tim Laiwiki and Mayor Durkin for a Sonics return promise. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like the wheels for that are getting greased in ways we have not seen over the last decade plus. Uh, Taylor, you and I, we have talked about this uh, a couple of times over the last couple of weeks on Seattle Sports Saturday, but uh, just the the momentum right now for the NBA's return, uh, it, it feels like good is coming Seattle's way on that front. Yeah, it just feels like a business opportunity they can no longer pass up. And the NFL went through it recently with L.A. and having that market sit there for years. As the as the bait above franchises, we could always move the team to L.A. You know, we could always move the team to L.A. if we don't get what we want. And it felt like Seattle was that with the Kings, you know, and a couple other organizations as well. So to finally have some sort of real concrete reasoning that the NBA would want this and that they do want this to happen in the near future and to have that injection of cash. It's um, look, it's, it's something I, I truly desire as a, as just a human being outside of my job here, the Sonics were my first love. <laughs> they were my favorite team growing up. I have such a relationship to that organization to me. Until I can sit in an arena in downtown Seattle or in a suburb of the Seattle area and watch them play, it feels like we've it's missed opportunity. So I'm so thankful for that potential, and it looks like even a concrete potential that this could possibly happen. Yeah, and it, it all the power players that are going to be needed for this to happen – seem as though they're saying the same things, which is good. We're not hearing mixed messages on this front. I, I would still say we're at least a year away from knowing concretely whether this could happen, but you know, pardon the pun, the ball is rolling in that direction. And it it you gotta have some kind of momentum before anything like this actually does come to fruition. So uh, shout out to those who are making this a possibility right now uh, in the NBA circles and, and definitely with all the power players in the city of Seattle uh, t- text from the three, six. So they're going old school here on us. Uh, yeah. Apparently they are the child of somebody who played for heck ed, Dr. Hector uh, Edmondson, who the heck ed pavilion is named after. Uh, they're saying shout out to us for not bringing up Husky basketball on this show because they have been brutal this season. Yeah, it is. It's a tough look right now for the Huskies. Uh, this town, the sports town, and the sports community is much better here when the Huskies are competitive on the court. And right now, it is it is brutal to watch, uh, especially after the start that Mike Hopkins had to his tenure at UW. Uh, really hoping that things, whether it be with Hopkins or somebody else, uh, can turn can turn that program around. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's confusing over there. And um, I, again, as a Coug fan, there's a small portion of me that still enjoys watching the dogs struggle. But look, the rising tide lifts all boats. The, the Pac-12 needs success. And I don't want to root for any of these teams to not be successful until the Pac-12 is back to that national respect. So until... We're sitting up here talking about the SEC being the little brother and the ACC basketball and all of that stuff. I, I, let let the dogs get back to their winning ways. Fine by me. Let's just make sure everyone's winning. The Pac-12 stays winning and we go from there. Uh, some other shout-outs. Uh, I'm going to shout-out. Uh, a lot of people with the Seahawks organization that don't get recognized, uh, oh, people yeah. who – Helped get this season up off the ground. Uh, a lot of people working behind the scenes because there was just so much that went into this NFL season in terms of, of COVID testing, in terms of contact tracing. Um, you know, people who still had to report to the Seahawks facility even on their days off so that they could have so that they could be allowed in and test for. Uh, COVID and make sure that, you know, nobody tested positive and unbelievably nobody within the 53 man roster or practice squad on the Seahawks tested positive this season, which is an, an incredible feat in its own self uh, just with how widespread this, uh, this sickness has become, but also to the people that, you know, were doing the contact tracing doing the daily testing at that facility, uh, just an incredible effort put forth by them and, and shout out to them for, you know, what they were able to do because it, it allowed us to watch football here in the city of Seattle. And we all know how important Seahawks football is to the fabric of this community. Yeah. And some of those teams at the Seahawks got smaller and some of them lost employees and they, they furloughed some employees and there were people, you know, who, who unfortunately lost their jobs because of the pandemic and that, the Seahawks were no different than any other business or organization in this country or in the in the world, for that matter, who who went through this. So to not only do all of those things, but to be stretched extra thin this season, especially um, you got to give it up to everyone in that front office. The people that, you know, they're not nameless. So we're trying to give yeah. them all a big thanks here um, for me, Curtis, some news oh. that went under the radar some important news some exciting news especially for this show curtis yeah. is that the girl dad movement is gaining a very awesome excellent yes. human and curtis and you and brenna um are, are going to be expecting a girl and it's so so cool what a blessing um i'm so excited try not to get emotional because we love you guys <laughs> My, molly and i do uh as as friends and uh you and Brynn are such great people and we're just so excited that there's going to be a new human in this world with a little bit of both of you inside of them so touche congrats to the rogers family and uh, we're so excited for it to be a little bit bigger in the not too distant future 
Yeah, we're we're super super pumped. Uh, we got that news last week. We didn't have a show last week, so uh, we couldn't share that with you guys. But yeah, we are going to be welcoming a baby girl in the month of May. We're super excited. Uh, we're starting to uh, kind of clear out our extra room here at our house because there's there's going to be somebody moving in, and uh, they're not going to be paying rent. But that's okay; they can live here rent free for the time being. <laughs> we, right, and we're and- super, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, and there's sometimes all these pressures, especially we're in sports, right? You, you're a sports guy. You got to have a son and, oh, what's it going to be like to have a girl? Can you watch sports? Those things don't exist anymore. And and people who think that those sort of things are still real should, should wake up and, and realize that it's to be a dad in any sense is such a blessing and to be a girl dad and to have that sort of experience with your daughter. I can't wait to watch it just from afar and to see, you know, what type of a great woman she grows up to be. So I'm, I'm just so thrilled for you guys and it, it's real and it's, it's awesome. It is. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm at a loss so almost. Yeah. It definitely like it made it hit home. Cause now it's like, Holy cow. Like, now it's now it's getting to the crunch time here and so we're super excited to to meet our our baby girl in a, in a few months and uh we can't thank you you guys enough Taylor and Molly and, and just all all of our friends uh that have sent us you know messages over the last couple of days just congratulating us but yeah we're super excited so uh that is it for today's seattle sports saturday we will be back with you next week uh make sure you're keeping it tuned in to 710 espn later tonight for cougar basketball uh for taylor jacobs i'm curtis rogers this is seattle sports saturday